The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And welcome to First Bite? Question mark? The uh, midweek podcast for Pride of Detroit, where we talk about all the news, all the analysis, all of everything involved with the Detroit Lions. Trying something new uh, in the offseason. Obviously, we don't have our normal first bite where we get to talk with uh, an upcoming opponent. Lions don't have an upcoming uh, upcoming opponent for another eight, nine months. That's fun. Um, so today we're going to start, as you can see, with the big title, if you're watching live on Twitch, with an NFL draft primer. We're going to start talking about the NFL draft as much as I hate it, as much as Ryan is going to drag me kicking and screaming. That's what we're going to do today. Uh, if, if you don't know who I am, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the managing editor at Pride of Detroit. Mm-hmm. I am the co-host of First Bite. I, I'd say co-host. I don't want to say host. Because, Ryan, you're, you're just as much a part, as part of this as, uh, as me, correct? I would say so on a normal basis, but I think you should give yourself host status. You've earned that. We'll see. I'm still not comfortable with that. Anyways, that voice you hear is Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore POD on Twitter. Um, welcome back to the show, Ryan. How have you been? Uh, I've been I've been well. It was a nice little hiatus. I took a nice break away from my actual career and then also my uh, my blogging career. So uh, <laughs> I'm I'm happy to be back and. I mean, under the wrong set of circumstances, though, we wish the Lions were still playing meaningful football into January, but... Or any football. Or, or any football. <laughs> yeah. Even, even if it was meaningless football. Um, but hopefully we're going to devise a plan over the course of the next couple of months to, to set the Lions up for success and have them playing meaningful football in January. Fair enough. And, and to get us started with all that, we're going to start with draft talk. We're going to start... Uh, at the top here with the two news that dropped earlier this week, um, we mentioned it a little bit on the podcast with Mansoor. If you haven't see, heard that episode, go back and listen to it. Um, and then we're going to get into five candidates that might go with that Lions first round pick, which is currently slated as a third overall. Maybe we'll talk some trade up, trade down scenarios, all that sort of stuff. But let's start with Tua. Um, it's the big news. It's the topical thing to talk about. Um, and it's uh, a lot of people are are linking the Lions in in one way or another to the news, whether it means 
the Lions are in on Tua or the Lions are positively impacted by Tua declaring, um, negatively impacted by Tua. Um, in case you don't know who Tua is, Alabama quarterback Tua. Tungo, oh my gosh, I, I practiced this beforehand and I'm going to blow it again. Tungo Vailoa. I believe that's right. Tungo <clears throat> Vailoa. Uh, declared for the draft. He's coming off a major hip injury, broken hip. He's still currently, I think, in a sling and in crutches. Um, so we'll, we'll have to wait on his medicals. But before that injury was considered a top five pick, um, I think still might be considered that high. Ryan, how does this affect the Lions? Well, it affects them in a couple of ways, right? I think in one way, it opens up the possibility for a quarterback needy team to move up to potentially even as high as two. I think that's something that a lot of people aren't thinking about. I think that Lions fans specifically, they kind of get caught up in themselves a little bit. Sure. Uh, And I, I don't think that's a specific Lions fan problem, but I think a lot of Lions fans viewed the news as, all right, cool. Tua will be available at three and the Lions can trade down and be blessed with a bunch of new draft assets that they can use. But I think the, I think a very likely scenario is that a team can even move up as high as two. And maybe Washington is interested in trading back. They have their quarterback. They drafted Dwayne Haskins. But then again, I don't think that an organization like Washington is necessarily save is saved from itself from maybe picking another quarterback a la what Arizona did last season uh, with the Kyler Murray after they had just drafted Josh Rosen in, in the draft prior to that. But the Tua news definitely opens up a whole new avenue of possibilities for maneuvering for the Lions. It also opens up some possibilities for one of the guys that we're going to talk about. Uh, one of the one of the targets for the Detroit Lions potentially dropping to three, and that's Chase Young. So the Tua news was a big boom for the Lions. Now, there are some other things that need to fall in place. Tua needs to be healthy. I think the questions about his hip need to be cleared up. But the one thing I'm not looking forward to is all of the talk and possibility of Tua being the quarterback for the Detroit Lions. And it's already begun. It's already begun thanks to Mel Kuyper Jr., who mentioned it this week that he thinks it's a possibility. And then Bart Scott followed it up saying not only that the Lions could and should get Tua, but they should also trade Matthew Stafford. And man, I thought, I thought we were done with this. I thought um, Matthew Stafford had a good enough 2019 season that we wouldn't be talking about trading him again. But of course, everything good that happens in Detroit comes with a big fat asterisk. And so the concern no longer is, is Matthew Stafford good enough that we shouldn't trade him? It's, is he healthy enough? Can he be healthy enough? He's had back-to-back injuries, uh, back-to-back back injuries. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so people are concerned about his long-term health, and I get that. Um, Matthew Stafford isn't concerned about them. Um, but as, as a fan, you, you have to at least acknowledge that back injuries are serious and having them in, in consecutive seasons does bring up a question of, of, of how long you can go on with a, with a quarterback like that. But I always tend to think back, well, weren't we having these same conversations 10 years ago? when Matthew Stafford fin- couldn't finish his rookie de- season, couldn't finish his second season with injuries, and then we all heard the China doll comments, and, and we're all concerned about his long-term health, and maybe the line should move on then. Then he went out and played eight straight seasons without missing a game and all that. So I don't know. Uh, in terms of what it means with, with Tua and the likelihood that the Lions draft him, I understand 
the desire to get that young quarterback on a rookie deal. Um, but you also have to realize you're getting a, a young quarterback that is also coming off a major injury. And I, the, the point that I really want to get across to some people who, who are on this board of, you know, on board of, of getting to a, and, and, and kind of hitting the reset button at quarterback, just so that, you, you know, I, I get the, the idea behind it. You know, you don't want to spend a lot of resources on your quarterback so that you can get this well-rounded team that the lines have been missing forever. Matthew Stafford has been carrying the team forever. The lines are limited by, by his cap hit. So they can't get a great defense like the Rams did when, when Jared Goff was on his rookie deal. The problem with that is it's very, you're, you're creating a very small window for yourself. You're creating two, three, maybe four years where you have to get it all together and you have to get it all together quick because Tua's rookie year, whether he's fully healthy or not, probably not going to be a, a playoff level quarterback if, if that's what the Lions decide to do. Then you're, you're talking about your second year. Will the Lions have enough time between now and then to build a defense that's worth supporting a rookie quarterback or a second year quarterback? Maybe. Then you get maybe a third year, maybe a fourth year. But once that fifth year hits, who's asking for an extension? Who's asking for his own contract? And suddenly you're left off to right where you are with Matthew Stafford right now, except he's going to be a lot more expensive um, because he's young and potentially good. So I don't know if this two, three window, two, three year window thing is a great way to, to build a team to hit the reset button when you already got a franchise quarterback there waiting for you. And there's proven methods of, you know, keeping your franchise quarterback where he's at. You know, you look at the, the greatest franchises that the NFL has right now, the Packers, the Steelers, the Patriots, um, you know, teams like that. Those are teams that have kept their quarterbacks around forever. They sure. don't play this game. They don't play this game where they need to get a rookie quarterback on a, on a young, cheap deal. You, you, you stick with the guy you got if he's the guy you got. And, and Stafford is, is the dude. So can we stop with the Tua talk? Like right now, just cut, cut the head off now so that we don't have to deal with this for three more months? Well, I think this is where my, my, myself... And, and you necessarily don't see eye to eye. And I think that the news of the Lions potentially being interested in Tua, they have to put that out there. I think they have to put out the fact that they're interested in Tua. And I don't think that it necessarily has to be all, well, the Lions are interested in creating a smokescreen or a diversion and saying, hey, you know, Tua could be our guy at three. So if you want to get him, you better move up to at least three. Or you better, you better jump us so that you can have a chance to get him when they really maybe don't want him. And then also there is the due diligence that every scouting, every scouting team needs to do. And I don't think that those things are mutually exclusive. However, real quick, I want to jump back to the Bart Scott thing and Bart Scott, even suggesting the idea that the lions would trade Matthew Stafford as a favor to Bill Belichick. (laughs) Right. Like, I don't, I mean, I only read the comment. I didn't hear his tone. I didn't know if it was in jest. I don't know if it was kind of tongue in cheek, but what an absurd notion that Bob Quinn feels indebted to Bill Belichick in some way that he's going to help him out by sending Matthew Stafford to New England. Also, I think I would die if Matthew Stafford went to New England because he would just be destined for great things, right? Like, (laughs) yes, a hundred percent. And, yeah. and I mean, also, Bob Quinn would essentially be forfeiting his job at that point, right? Because he's putting a make or break season on to a tight tongue. Oh, my gosh. Tango Bailoa. 
Tango Vailoa, uh, a, a guy who's coming off of a major injury and in, in a make or break season. Like, no, mm-hmm. it makes no sense. <sighs> right. I just, Matthew Stafford has to be healthy. I think that's the one contingency. <laughs> and I think that we learned that over the course, <clears throat> excuse me, we learned that over the course of the final eight games of the season that if Matthew Stafford is not healthy, the Detroit Lions would not be a successful football team. Yep. Like that litmus test has already been passed. Yeah, it has. And if you believe Matthew Stafford, he's essentially healthy now. He said, you know, um, he, he's very, very cl- a couple of weeks ago, you know, when everyone was doing their exit interviews, he said he was very, very close to, to being healthy now. And he expects to be ready by the time offseason workouts um, happen. Um, I'm I'm one to take Matthew Stafford at his word. He's he's not one to usually lie to the media. Um, so I'm not that concerned with his back injury. And, and maybe that makes me naive. Maybe that makes me, a, you know, a, a Kool-Aid drinker, whatever. But if Matthew Stafford's healthy, then I'm happy. The Lions aren't spending that much on him, all things considered. There are other quarterbacks in the league that are making more, that will be making more, that are fine. They're successful right now. They're, they're able to build a team around their quarterbacks. You look at the Packers. Um, Aaron Rodgers is, is getting a big deal. You look at the 49ers, you know, right now uh, Garoppolo isn't costing them a lot, but next year he jumps Matthew Stafford in terms of, of cap hit. And you can say the same of, of other teams. Like, I mean, just look in the, in the division. There's two other teams that are spending more on their quarterback than the Lions, and they're doing fine. They're both in the playoffs still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I I reject that notion that Matthew Stafford's contract is is hand stringing the 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 team right now, and the Lions can't build a winner with a, a quarterback that's costing him that much. I will say that Matthew Stafford is hand stringing them, is handcuffing them in one way though, because it's make or break next year for Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia. Yep. So even if they wanted to, even if they wanted to entertain the possibility of Drafting Tua at three, keeping him a la Aaron Rodgers behind Brett Favre, a la Patrick Mahomes behind Alex Smith. Even if they wanted to entertain that idea, they can't do that. They have to. They have to hit on players in this draft. They have to hit on players in free agency because the time is ticking on for them, and yeah. and it really does limit their possibilities. Now, it, it sounds weird to say that a franchise quarterback is hamstringing them, but that's. Matthew Stafford is their guy and he has to be their guy because they don't, they don't have another option. You're right. You're right. Because yeah, they, they can't draft a guy third overall in a make a break season and have him ride the bench for a year. That makes yeah. no sense for them. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to go back to the, to the trade talk a little bit and how the lines benefit from him coming up because I think you bring up a good point in that teams that are interested in Tua, when do they have, when do they decide they need to jump up? Because that's the real question, right? Do they jump up? Mm-hmm. Do do they jump over Detroit? Does Detroit put out enough feelers out there to convince teams that they're interested in them? I don't think people are going to buy it, even if they do their due diligence. They bring them in for a 30 visit, which I think they should anyways. I mean, if you're picking third overall, you should be looking at at least 10 prospects, I think, that are real that could realistically go in the top five. All of them. Doesn't matter what mm-hmm. position. Look at literally all of them. Sure. And so wide receivers, quarterbacks tight ends if there's a tight end do it i don't care um <laughs> that's that might be where i draw the line but yeah. <laughs> okay okay fair enough uh but 
if you're if you're Miami, because Miami is the the team that everyone is circling right now, they've got Patriots ties, so there's a potential working relationship there with Bob Quinn and, and Matt Patricia. Who knows what poor Josh Rosen is is in for in in, in 2020? Um, but where do they want to jump to? Because if you look, they might not have to jump at all. Washington probably, like you said, Dwayne Haskins sucked last year, but still probably their guy. Lions have Stafford. Giants have a. Uh, Danny Dimes. So Miami's only real concern is that someone jumps them, right? Mm-hmm. And so if someone is just concerned about jumping Miami, why involve Detroit at all? Why not just make the Giants your target at four? Yeah, that, that could be legitimate. I think that you might have other teams that are interested in jumping up and grabbing Tua, though. And I think that some of those teams, I mean, you, you take a look around the NFL and you kind of take stock of where teams are with their quarterbacks and whether or not they have a guy moving forward as a franchise quarterback. There's a lot of questions, especially going into going into 2020 about, you know, who, who has a franchise quarterback and who doesn't do the chargers have a quarterback. Phillip rivers is getting up there. He's getting a little bit long in the tooth. Do the Carolina Panthers, do they believe in Kyle Allen? Um, are the Jacksonville Jaguars sold on Gardner Minshew? Uh, I, I think that these are all legitimate questions. The, the Indianapolis Colts at 13. Yeah. Are they cool with Jacoby Brissett? Is Jameis Winston going to be the guy in, in Tampa Bay? Those are all teams that are picking in the top 14. So I think those are all teams that could legitimately move up if they, if they fall in love with Tua and they absolutely want him. Now, what does that mean for the Lions? Well, if, if a team wants to move all the way up to two and trade with Washington, well, then you have Burrow go first, you have Tua go second, and the the darling that everybody wants to fall into the Lions' lap at three, Chase Young, that situation plays itself out. If the Lions decide to move back from three to any of those teams that are in the top 14 picks, the Lions wire Jeff Risden did a nice little article about teams that had recently traded, traded up to number three and some of the returns that they got within, I think it was the past 20 years or so. And the return would be pretty good on any deal that has a team like Miami, even moving from five to three, to even a team, you know, as far down as uh, one, one of these other teams, like, uh, f- you know, the, say the, uh, you know, say the Bucks at 14 or the Colts at 13, they want to move up. The Lions are going to get an awful lot of picks. They're going to they're gonna get a boon for that. And for a team that needs to add as many pieces as the Lions need to add this offseason, trading down seems like a pretty attractive option. It does. It does. And I'm not going to deny that at all. I think the question really is, how hungry are these teams going to be for Tua? How, like, how hungry would Tampa Bay have to be to move from 14 to 2? Because 14 to three, 14 to four, whatever they feel is, is that, that sweet spot to get him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be costly. And a lot of people are, are even saying Miami, maybe Miami is willing to give up their second first round pick or maybe their second round pick. Well, this is also a team that's very much in rebuild and got all of this draft capital to get players. Yes. And so I don't know. It, it, it's all very speculative right now. And, and to me, the biggest question is where, do these teams want to jump to? Why would they want to jump to three and not to four or two or five? Um, and that's something we're just going to have to wait and see how to play out. And I think the best thing that can happen for the Lions is just Tua knocks every test out of the park, every medical test, 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if he'll do combine stuff. I, I, I'm assuming he won't. Um, but every possible test, he just knocks out of the park. He knocks out interviews. Any like The more hype that Tua gets, the better for the Lions. Because then teams are obviously going to get hungrier, want to jump up to maybe two, maybe three, and get him. But at this point, I still need to be convinced that a team would want to jump Detroit or trade with Detroit when they could potentially just wait till four or five. Yeah, and that's why I think it's critical that the Lions stir up that interest for Tua at three. Yeah, I think you're right. All so. right, we're going we're gonna to end our Tua talk there. Um, maybe, I hope if I had my idea, my ideal offseason, this would be the last we talk of Tua until April. Probably not going to be the case. But when we come back, we're going to talk about players that we do think the Lions could take at number three. We got five candidates. Some you're going to like, some you might not like as much. But we'll talk about them all when we come back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back with our first bite 2020 NFL Draft Primer where we are talking Detroit Lions, what they might do with that third overall pick. Let's get into it. Let's talk about five guys we think may be there at number three maybe on the Lions radar. And I think any conversation when we're talking about the Lions third overall pick, we have to start with Chase Young because for the past month and a half, he's it's been the race for Chase, the race for Chase. And while the Lions may have came in one spot late for Chase, uh, I think the, the possibility is still there that he he might be there. And uh, we, we talked uh, a second ago about all the potential uh, trades that may happen if Tua goes second overall, Chase is there at three. I think we've exhausted who chases as a player already. Maybe not on this podcast, but just about everywhere else. Um, Lions fans, you know, he's a premier pass rusher. He's also pretty good against the run. My question is, where does he fit in Detroit? If the Lions take him at third overall, where does he go? And I know a lot of people will say, who cares? He's an extreme talent. You find a place to put him and you put him. But let's let's act like the coaching staff here. Lions get Chase Young. What is your plan for Chase Young in 2020? Where does he go? What what position is he playing? Who is he replacing? How many snaps are you giving him? There's a lot of questions to be answered here, and and I want answers, Ryan. Give me answers. Well, 
I don't know if I have all the answers for you, but he's a big dude, right? So he's 6'5", 265. He seems mm-hmm. like he would prototypically fit in like a 4-3 scheme. And that's not what we're running in Detroit here with Matt, with Matt Patricia. I do tend to agree with the Lions fans who say, just draft the talent and figure it out. But it is sort of an interesting fit. Is Chase, I mean, at 6'5", 265, does he end up playing maybe a Devon Kennard type role? Like, is he a stand-up guy? Can he play the Jack? Is it, now, is it, is it worth drafting a Jack at number three overall? Like, are you going to get the amount of snaps and production out of a guy who's, you know, filling that type of role rather than getting a guy who's going to be a literally every down player? I don't know. I think if you draft a guy like Chase Young, you have to figure out a way to have him on the field at all times. So it, it is an interesting question that you bring up. Now, there were some scouts that talked about how the Lions tend to draft draft players that don't necessarily have speed. They're just like big hulking guys. Like they're, they're trying to have the Giants 80s defense without Lawrence Taylor. Right. Um, I'm not sure if Chase Young is necessarily Lawrence Taylor, but he's the best thing that's in this draft class. And I think he's by far and large, the number one pick. I think he's the best player in the draft. I think that if the lions were able to get chase young at number three, that would be a, that'd be a huge boom for, for this team that desperately needs a pass rush. We know how bad the lions pass rush is. We know that it was like 28th in pass rush rate. Yep. Absolutely. Just awful. Uh, we all saw we all saw the chart where the Lions logo was all the way up for for pass rushers um, sent uh, based on down and distance, and it it's so obviously a need for the Lions that Chase Young would improve it no matter what. I think. Period. End of discussion. He's definitely a no brainer pick here, and but I do think it's it's kind of a conundrum the Lions put themselves in. Um, Jay Reffy from our, our chat says he replaces Oquara. And and that that might make sense for his rookie year. Um he's basically a guy that comes in for flowers. Um I think the difference would be um he he'll be on every third down for for certain. He'll be part of the, what they call their NASCAR package, whereas where which is where they essentially put all of their pass rushers on the field at once. They they like to slide flowers inside, um, and then they'd obviously have Chase Young on the outside there. Um, and, and Aquara gets a, a fair amount of snaps. I would say around the 30, 40% range. And obviously if, if something were to happen to flowers, then he'd step into a starting role. But I do think there needs to be a conversation about him potentially being that Jack linebacker. Um, he, he, in terms of size, he's right up there with, uh, oh. Devon Kennard. Um, in, in terms of speed, he's, he's better. He has more pass rush moves. He's as good, I think on the edge as, as a run defender. The big question there is dropping him into cover. And the Lions have enough problems dropping their linebackers into coverage with the guys that they've got. Um, you know, Jared Davis and, and Jelani Tavai are both big guys who, who don't excel on sideline to sideline um, coverage. Uh, but Devon Kennard doesn't do it that often. I was looking before the show, and he does it about once every five passing plays. The other times he's pass rush. Mm-hmm. So um, it's not something that they'd be asking Chase Young to do a lot. Um, it's maybe something that they could develop into. Um, but I think the, the dividends that they would get from him as a pass rusher, a guy that could bring an assortment of pass rush moves to the left side of that defensive line, um, would help a ton because we, we, we've seen how 
the sack numbers are good for Devon Kennard, but the pressure numbers are not. And I think that's more telling of, of who Devon Kennard is. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we're both on board with Chase Young being someone that would improve the Lions pass rush. He's the best prospect available. Nonetheless, an interesting fit for Detroit if, if, he, if he ends up here. Yep. Uh, let's move on to our second candidate here. We're going to stick with the defensive line. Um, I think a lot of people probably know where I'm going with this. But let's talk defensive tackle. Let's talk Derek Brown. Hmm. Yeah, let's talk Derek Brown because Derek Brown doesn't necessarily fill a need for Detroit. Does he? I would argue he probably does. Hmm. Defensive okay. defensive tackle is very much in flux right now, right? With and and it, it kind of depends also on how you see Derek Brown, whether you view him as more of a, a three tech pass rusher or whether you view him as more of a nose tackle. I think he probably trends a little bit more towards uh three tech. Um but either either way, the Lions are in trouble right now at defensive tackle. They don't know the future of Damon Harrison, obviously their their main piece, their nose tackle there. Ashawn Robinson, who kind of works between as a as both a run stuffer and well, not really a pass rusher, but sometimes in the three tech. And then obviously Mike Daniels. Um, you just spent a ton on him. His contract is up. Do you want to re-sign him? Derek Brown fills either one of those needs. He, he could potentially be a nose tackle as a replacement. I don't think the Lions would draft him as a nose tackle, but he provides pass rush. You know, we just talked about how bad the Lions need pass rush. A lot of that pass rush problems came from the interior. Ashawn Robinson didn't provide anything. Snacks doesn't provide a pass rush. And then the Lions had injuries with with Daniels and, and Deshaun Hand. I guess the, the question with Derek Brown is, it, does he make Deshaun Hand kind of um, redundant at this point? I don't think that the Lions can count on Deshaun Hand necessarily. And I mm-hmm. think it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's of no, it's of no fault of his own injuries suck, but yeah, the greatest ability is availability. And if you can't count on Deshaun hand playing, here, here's the other thing too. Ashawn Robinson. Is he going to be part of the Detroit lions plans moving forward? Is Damon Harrison going to retire? Is Mike Daniels going to come back and play? You're talking about what we thought was going to be a huge strength of this team. We thought the defensive line was going to be the best part of the 2019 Detroit Lions, and it ended up being maybe the worst part of the 2019 Detroit Lions. It was the most disappointing, bar none. I, I can definitely see Derek Brown being the pick, but I don't know if I would be in love with the pick at three. I think, I think that is the big question, right? Whether defensive tackle not necessarily a, a sexy pick and not necessarily a, a, a position that might draw top three value. Is he worth it? And right. that's, that's, that's a big question. That's a fair question to ask. I think, I mean, we asked the same question about tight end at eight last year is defensive tackle worth the third overall pick. You have to be Aaron Donald. Yeah. You have to be Nadam Kinsu. You have to be a generational talent. I don't know if Derek Brown is necessarily that. The comparisons are there, but I just I don't think I've been so completely blown away with him as a prospect that at three you want to take an interior defensive lineman. Yeah. And Lion Fan three 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 in our chat brings up a good point. If the Lions were to make one of those trade downs that we were pitching earlier, he was at six. Love Derek Brown at six. Yeah. 
six plus a, an extra second or two seconds. Or, yeah, extra I'm in. Seconds, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. All right, I think that's it for Derek Brown. We'll talk more in depth about his actual skills and stuff later. We'll get some experts here that, that love talking about draft things like that. Um, but let's stay on defense. Let's talk about what I think is probably the hottest name to Detroit right now. The one that everyone seems to be mocking to Detroit early this early in the draft process. And that's Ohio state cornerback, Jeff Okuda. Ryan, you, you down with Okuda at three at three. I don't know. I don't know. I think I'm, I think I'm closer to being on board with Okuda at three than I am Brown at three. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just because, well, for, for a few reasons. One, I, I view cornerback as being a position of need for the Lions, and it might be a position of immediate need depending on the future of the team and whether or not Darius Slay is going to be a Detroit Lion moving forward. That's what makes it an immediate need, especially if, if, you, if you're Bob Quinn and you foresee anything hitting a snag with the relationship you have with Darius Slay, CB1 is, is a need. I also view cornerback as just being a very important position in today's NFL. 100%. So I, I think you, you take the value of a cornerback, you take the value of an interior defensive lineman. I'm going to say that in terms of positional value at number three in the draft, I'm going to go with the cornerback. Now, I think the other thing that I'm going to toss it over to you, but the other thing that a lot of people seem to bring up, and they might be having flashbacks to tease hit tease Tabor, but the immediate returns on cornerbacks in year one, not always great. It's a yep. big adjustment period. It is. And if the lines are staring down a situation where they have Jeff Okuda and Omani Oruwari as their two starting cornerbacks, it's not going to bring a lot of, uh, of faith having a, a rookie and a second year guy. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think corner is a big enough need regardless of what happens with the Darius Slay situation, because even if the lines decide, they have a change of heart and say, you know what, let's go to the let's go to the debate table. Let's go to the contract talks. Let's let's get you extended for a year or two. Darius Slay is still eventually on his way out. He is. It's something it's a fact that we all need to face. The guy's almost 30. Um his his play clearly isn't where it used to be. I don't think he's necessarily going to rebound and be the all pro caliber guy that he was um even just a year or two ago. Um so you need a contingency plan. Um whether I, I at this point I'm of the faith that Darius Slay stays for at least one more year, but you got to get a replacement going. And what better position to do it than right now with easily the best corner I think that this draft that that we've seen in a draft in a in a few years. And there is concern. You're right that he's not going to give you an immediate impact. Um, we've seen it happen sometimes with a guy like Marshawn Lattimore, but I think this guy's special. Mm-hmm. I think he's also a perfect fit. We, you look at every single scouting report of this guy, and I mentioned it's just how good he is in man coverage. Guess what the Lions like to run? Man coverage. Yeah, um, him playing press. Yep, all that stuff. He's he's physical. He's fast. Uh, I think he's going to knock the combine out of the park. I think this is a perfect fit. I think if the Lions could somehow trade down and still get him at five and six, five or six, it might be the ideal scenario for me in the draft. Like even more than Chase Young, because I like you. I think cornerback is is top five position um, in terms of NFL value. I think it's, it's right up there. I think a lot of teams are trending towards it. And this is an interesting debate that a lot of analytics are having right now is what's more important to building a successful defense. Is it your coverage or is it your pass rush? 
And there are some analytics that say coverage, um, believe it or not. And the Lions, I feel like, are definitely of that faith, that they think coverage is more important than pass rush. I mean, just look at how they spent... Um, the, the, how they spend their resources that show goes to show you they're spending on safeties. They're spending on nickel corners. They're spending on CB twos. I think Jeff Okuda is their guy. I think it makes all the sense in the world. And if they can somehow get him and additional draft picks, man, that's a home run home run. Yeah. And it's interesting that we said the same exact thing about Derek Brown, you know, and mm-hmm. while chase young would, <clears throat> would be an awesome addition to this team. I, I think both of those scenarios almost seem more attractive than than getting Chase Young. I, I will say the one other thing too before we move on to our our next player that we're going to talk about here is that the Lions spent big money last offseason on what two positions? Pass rusher and a and, and a corner, yeah. and we're still here talking about how those <laughs> positions need to be filled. Yeah. So turns yeah. out you need more than one good guy. Yeah, turns out. And sometimes the guy you think is good might not be as good as you think. Yeah. All right, let's move on over to offense. We've got two offensive guys to talk about. You want to go sexy or unsexy first? Let's go unsexy. Let's go unsexy. All right, let's talk big men. Let's talk offensive tackles. We're not body now, <laughs> We're talking about positions. <laughs> yes. Thank you for clarifying that. Yes. Um, there's there's not necessarily consensus on the top offensive tackle in the draft, but let's 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 make our own de- declaration and say let's talk Andrew Thomas of Georgia, um, three twenty six five. Um, I would say most people consider him the top tackle in the draft, but not necessarily. How excited are you about potentially drafting a tackle? knowing that the futures of, of really both right and left tackle in Detroit are, are at least up in the air right now. I don't think that there is a contingency plan at tackle right now for Detroit, which means that it's in one of those really precarious situations. It's in the precarious situation that corner is much, uh, it, 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 it's precarious in the same way that that position is as well. Mm-hmm. So there is no contingency plan. I think drafting a tackle would be wildly boring. The reception would be just about as just about as well received as it was when Detroit drafted Frank Ragnow. And granted, that was all the way down at twenty. I think drafting, it might be as as bad as TJ Hawkinson, to be honest. It potentially could. It it potentially could, especially especially it it really depends on what Detroit decides to do because they yeah. have Taylor Decker, they have Rick Wagner. If if Detroit wants to get out of Rick Wagner's contract, is that a possibility? I think it becomes at least a little bit of they still I think eat five or six million of of cap hit, but in in the grand scheme of things, that's not that much. No, it's 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 not awful. And I think the reason I mean we we kind of prioritize Andrew Thomas over some other tackles because it seems like he's one of the best run run blocking tackles in in the draft as well. And we know that's what what this offense wants to get done. So I I don't know if I'd be super excited about taking Andrew Thomas at three. Yeah, I can't get behind at three. I don't think I can get behind it Um, at this point because there's no consensus at the top tackle that goes to show you, at least to me, that there's probably not one worthwhile of a top three pick. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a position of need. I feel like this this Lions team likes Taylor Decker. I feel like they're going to extend him 
this uh, this offseason. I'm not happy with Rick Wagner. I don't think the Lions are necessarily. I do think the Lions have at least a backup plan with Tyrell Crosby. I don't know if he's necessarily starter-worthy, but he's certainly um, a possibility if, if the Lions are in a, in a tough situation. I just think it's a re- it's going to be a really tough sell to get pretty much anybody on offense at third overall, given where this team is right now. Given, I mean, I thought their offensive line played okay in 2019. Rick Wagner wasn't great. He wasn't horrible. Taylor Decker finished very, very strong. And the interior guys were all good. And mm-hmm. so, I don't know. Offensive tackle just, it doesn't move the needle enough. I don't think there's a standout prospect there that's worth a third overall pick. If we're talking one of those bigger trade downs, there's a 13 to the 14 spot, then I think we can t- have that conversation. But in the top five, I don't want to see the Lions going offensive tackle at all. Yeah, I don't think you're alone in that either. How about, right. we talk about it? How about we talk about another position that I don't think a lot of people would be crazy about the Lions going? I'm, I'm a little bit more open to this one, but let's do it. Who you got? Uh, wide receiver, Alabama, Jerry Judy. <laughs> Tell me what do you now. think? What do you think? You, 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 you sell me on it. Okay. I will. The Lions have two wide receivers entering 2020. They're on expiring contracts. You got Kenny Galladay, who just led the NFL in touchdowns. And you got Marvin Jones, who was not far behind, but has, mm-hmm. has now finished two straight seasons on injured reserve. Um, neither of the guys are particularly good at creating space. They're great at catching contested balls. They're great at, they have great hands. Um, they're, they're reliable. They're, they're good character guys. But the Lions need an explosive guy. They do. Whether it's this year or the following year, the Lions are going to need an explosive weapon that can, that can create big plays, that can uh, consistently get open, that can make Matthew Stafford's job a little easier so that he hit, doesn't have to split four defenders to find a wide open dude. Mm-hmm. Jerry Judy makes a little bit of sense. Now, the one thing I will say about getting one with their third overall pick is that this does appear to be a very deep draft class. And so if the Lions want to grab a wide receiver, they can probably wait. But Jerry Judy is a pretty exciting prospect. Dude is crazy fast. Again, also great hands. I think he's a, a much, he's a, he'd immediately be the best route runner on the team, assuming that Danny Amendola isn't resigned. Um, even if Danny Amendola signs. <laughs> yeah, even if Danny Amendola signs. <laughs> Danny Amendola could potentially run better routes, but not at 39 or whatever he is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just... Part of me... I, I think the, the issue here is that if the lines weren't in win-now mode, I'd be much more behind it because this is a problem that's going to reappear for the Lions in the near future. I don't think the Lions are going to be willing or able to afford both Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. I think they extend Kenny Galladay. It's going to be quite expensive, and they're going to need a cheap young option behind. And I don't think any of the guys, I don't think Travis Fulgham is that guy. I don't think any of the other undrafted guys or, or you know practice squad guys are, are eventually going to reach that level. Lines are going to have to grab a, a, a wide receiver threat, and I think wide receiver is is one of those positions where you you can get good value in the top five. Now, in a draft class like this, like I said, it's deep, so maybe the value isn't quite there. Um, but I I wouldn't be nearly as upset with Judy as I would um, an offensive tackle. 
I think if the Lions go back to back drafts and they're taking an offensive skill position <laughs> player in the top ten, yeah, I think some people are going to be really upset. But Jerry Judy is that good. He's yeah. he's a generational talent. I think that he's going to be the best receiver out of this class. Mm-hmm. And I say that because CD lamb is really fun. He's awesome to watch. And I think he's a really good receiver too. I agree with you from the standpoint that taking a receiver that early in the draft is something that a team in rebuild mode is probably doing a la the lions taking Calvin Johnson, right? It's not something a team that's doing that needs to win now. Now I will say that wide receivers, they can, I mean, look at AJ Brown this season. I mean, he was a guy who wasn't taken until later in the draft. Kenny Galladay was a guy who wasn't taken until the third round. DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf. Now, here's another thing. Jerry Judy, in terms of measurables, in terms of the time that he's going to run at the combine, things like that, there there are a lot of reports that say that he's not going to measure extremely well. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where, like, with DK Metcalf, obviously he measured off the charts, but then there were some drills where... He yeah, looked like shuttle. he was stiff or he didn't he didn't look like he had the ability to run routes or things like that. No, like the tape tells the tale. And you watch anything that Jerry Judy does on the field and he is electric. He is a playmaker. He is a guy who changes a game with one play. And that's really super exciting and enticing. I think he just falls into the Jeffrey Okuda and the Derek Brown and I would love to have them but can I get them at six and with a couple extra picks? Can I get them at, can I get one of those guys at seven, eight or nine and, and, and get some extra picks? Because that's truly where I think Bob Quinn and the rest of his staff needs to, they need to, they need to believe in the fact that we need to get as many picks as we can in the top 100. And these guys need to fill roles on our team. They need to be playing. They need to be playing football and they need to be playing. They need to be playing it well because that's that's where they're at right now. Hear that, everybody? We have the bold stance of the Lions should trade down. But you won't hear that anywhere else. <laughs> uh, that's going to wrap up our, our 2020 NFL draft prime. We're going to have plenty of draft coverage over the next three months. But we wanted to kind of dip our toes, talk about some of the prospects that are uh, amongst those that the Lions may consider with that first overall pick. Talk a little to a. We'll get so much more talk about all of this by the time you're, you're going to be sick of my voice. You're going to be sick of everyone's voice. Then we'll finally be there at draft day. But thank you for joining us today. Um, if you like what you hear, if you thought we said something stupid, go over to iTunes, go over to whatever Apple podcast or whatever, leave a review. We're going to, I think we're going to start reading reviews again. So if yeah. you have something to say, um, be sure to, to let us know there. Give us five stars. If you're, if you're liking what we hear, if you don't like what we hear, don't bother rating us. Um, and we'll start reading reviews on our Sunday podcast, which is a full hour long, um, which you can watch live on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit, 8 PM Eastern time on Sundays. We might move that around, but we'll give you a heads up if we do, but until then we'll see you later. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.